Yeah, so here's something I've been asking a lot of folks lately, and it never really seems to get less strange as I say it, but how are you holding up during this pandemic? <laughs> um, thanks for asking. We're doing as well as we possibly can. Um, it's it's most tough on my on, on my kid because, of course, kids aren't meant to be cooped up indoors, and we're doing everything we can for him. Uh, but honestly, it's like we have we have food, shelter, diapers, formula. Um, so honestly, what what can we complain about? So um, the thing that the thing that's uh, that that tears me to pieces is knowing that there are people out there who love their children as much as I do, but they don't have uh, the support, the resources, the means um, to take care of them. And that hurts me. <laughs> yeah. And so, so if I do get a platform, I, I will just encourage people, if you can afford it, please donate to food banks, diaper banks, um, whatever you can help with. Cause, uh, it's a, it's a rough time for everybody, but it's really rough for people who simply just don't have the financial means to be able to take care of themselves and their family. Absolutely. And I'm glad you, you kind of called that out because more often than not, we kind of get focused on the business of things or how this affects, you know, industry or production. And, you know, I'll definitely touch on yes. that too, because it's, it's part of the, the kind of culture that we have now today. But I think it's also important to remember the kind of human costs that's out there too, with the ones that don't really make the headlines all that much. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, that's the thing was I, I caught myself thinking, if I only had a backyard, if I had a backyard, this would be so much different. I could totally manage this. My kids would be do off, would be so much better off. And then I'm like, then that that's when the thought occurred to me. That's what some people are saying about food, yeah. and that's what people are saying about shelter and and diapers and rent and and formula and stuff like that so so yes exactly um i was i was for a while focusing on what i didn't have and then i realized i i have all that i need and there are plenty of people who do not have what they need exactly and it's it's difficult too because i mean as individuals there's only so much you can do uh to kind of make these these vast changes or, or help out you know untold numbers of people but the silver lining of that is with social media, with projects like the, the many that you're involved in, you have an interesting kind of uh, avenue and, and, and path to kind of be able to connect with people and a lot of times provide them an escape uh, from the kind of day-to-day, -day <laughs> these crushing realities that a lot of us are facing. So yes, that exactly. silver lining is there, yeah. Have you have you seen a lot of opportunities with that in your work? Um, you know, when I am being interviewed, I do my best to always mention, hey, there's people who are really struggling out there. And if you can afford it, uh, please donate to the diaper banks and the food banks. That's that's the main thing I've been trying to get across with pretty much every every podcast interview that I've that I've been uh, that I've been uh, asked to come up on. Yeah, and we will definitely share links uh, just for some of the, the national and also international uh, places that people can do that, too. And then I guess kind of shifting a little bit towards maybe the more industry side, the more production side, uh, as everybody kind of figures out what this new landscape kind of looks like. I've talked to some other folks, other professionals in the animation industry, and while a lot of live action productions are obviously uh, on, on hold, uh, paused temporarily or for the foreseeable future, a lot of folks are saying they're seeing an uptick in kind of animation production and a lot more opportunity. So have you seen a big change in maybe voice acting opportunities for you over the last couple of months? I would say that the number of voiceover auditions that I've had have definitely increased. 
Um, and as such, I've definitely had to make changes with the way that I work. Hmm. Uh, previously, I basically just operated on a good enough for auditions uh, <laughs> standpoint. So basically, I had a, I had a nice USB microphone in my laptop in my closet, and, and that was good enough. But I'm actually, you know, I've actually been recording production from my home now, and so I've got to step up my game. So I've. <laughs> I bumped everything up now. I've, I've got a real. I bumped up my microphone, got a preamp, got Source Connect. Uh, I don't even think I knew what what uh, what what Pro Tools Source Connect or preamps were right. uh, a few months ago, and all of a sudden I'm I'm totally educated in those things. Um, I I got a I got a sound booth, and that was a that was a very good sound booth, and I really like it. But I looked at it. A little bit more closely, and I said, "No, I need something that's going to rival production and be close to a professional studio in my home." So next week, I'm getting oh, cool. the yeah, I'm getting the Fort Knox of of of, uh, <laughs> of sound booths. So we're talking double walls, um, the premium isolation package, and everything like that. And so hopefully that will that will replicate the quality or come close to replicating the quality of a professional studio. Have you in your career, I mean, your career goes back quite a ways now with uh, movie and TVs, live action and, and voice recording as well. Do you have a, a preference or are you just kind of a, a role by role basis on how you decide? The simple answer is I love to work, you know, and, and there are things that I love about all the different elements, whether it's voiceover, whether it's live action, whether it's a play, you know, there's, there's things that I treasure about. There's different things that I treasure about all those different kinds of acting media. I would say if I could choose a favorite, it would be voiceover. Um, you know, there's there's something wonderful about being able to focus on focus on your work without having to worry about nearly as many distractions. You know, hitting your mark exactly, blocking that's needed, uh, making sure that you banana out when you enter the scene and stuff like that. And so, I do love the intimacy of working with just a few people that in that uh, recording setting and it's wonderful getting to do as many takes as you want you know sure. just saying oh, I didn't quite get that you know let me let me get another let me get another try without feeling like you've you've annoyed 40 people in the crew and cast <laughs> for, for having to having to do another take yeah and then everybody has to reset the entire uh, physical production yeah exactly exactly now yeah you, the last thing you want to do is is, is to, to screw up the be the screw up at the very end of a long <laughs> tracking shot you exactly know? yeah uh, speaking of auditions, though, in one of your recent tweet-alongs with the uh, Saturday Watch Parties, which I'll talk about more in a second, uh, I saw that you mentioned your role in, in Seis Manos actually came about from an audition in Castlevania. Is that correct? Yes, exactly, exactly. It was, it was an audition that I looked at it and I said, I don't think I'm right for this. <laughs> uh, um, and it, it was a fantastic role. Um, uh, I believe it was uh, Taka in Castlevania, mm -hmm. except for Taka's uh, 20 years old. And there's one thing that my voice is not really naturally suited to as a 20-year-old. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe I can talk really high and maybe bring him up to a higher level and stuff. And I just said, you know, 
I'm just going to be myself on this one. Yeah. And because if they want a 20 year old voice, they can get a 20 year old for this. So I'm just going to take my natural voice and we'll go from there. And, and if they like it, they like it. And if they don't, you know, I can live with that. So I did my natural voice. Um, but of course with as much with the best acting that I can possibly do with it. And the, amazing casting director meredith lane mm -hmm. she heard it and correctly surmised that my voice is not right for a 20 year old but she then reached out and said hey you know i'd like rich i'd like vic to audition for seis manos and the rest is very wonderful seis manos history exactly and i think that's a great lesson out there too for aspiring actors be they you know on stage on screen or or voice acting that and no for a particular role does not necessarily mean no for everything else for the rest of your life. <laughs> you exactly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you get those opportunities by, by kind of walking through the door. So what was your thought process then when you heard about uh, Chu for Seis Manos? And, and walk me through kind of how you first learned about the role and then what led you to saying, yeah, I'd love to get involved. Uh, well, uh, so so then Meredith forwarded on uh, to my wonderful agents, uh, Fox agent, Fox voiceover agency. She poured on the specs for Chu, and and I and I read the, the specs on it, and I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, this is something that I can get into. <laughs> this is something I totally get into. And, and of course, I had to audition for it. Sure. Um, but but this was one where I felt comfortable, and I felt I could use you know the, the full range of my voice. You know whether whether I'm, I'm speaking regularly or going a little bit more gravelly and and, and stuff. And and so. And I remember the sides were just really interesting um, with a supernatural element. Uh, there was, you know, a more standard set of sides that, that dealt with Chu imparting his martial arts lessons. But there was also a set of sides dealing with Chu speaking in kind of another realm uh, um, and 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 instructing instructing uh, silencio about about that and i was just like what kind of wacky project is this <laughs> so so i was i was really enthusiastic about that and then uh and then and then yeah when it, once i heard that i got the role i was just so pumped and i was freaking out and i was and, and it's it's been a wonderful ride and i'm really enjoying it so in preparation for playing the part of of chu or any role really that you take on do you pull a lot from your life experiences where applicable or what is maybe your process for getting into a into a role? The short summary is I take all the life experiences that I can that are relevant and I apply them and I, and I, and I play a nice, a, a fun, like mental game where I just I, I, I bring in people from my real life experiences and my real life experiences into what I do. Um, when it comes time to actually performing, then I just let it go. Mm -hmm. Then it's all just, it's then it, from there, it's all just, uh, letting it go naturally. Um, but the preparation is very, very much experience based. And if I don't have the experience, the exact experience, then I take it from my imagination. Now, in the case of Chu, um, I was fortunate enough to have a, martial arts instructor who was a huge influence on me because i grew up really small really skinny really bullied uh, for for quite a bit of my life and and i had uh and in fact he he was uh, he was latino as well um uh his name is carlos garcia and he was my martial arts instructor and mentor 
And he was a tough guy, man. He was a tough guy. And so, so I was able to pull elements of him into my preparation work as two. And there's something very satisfying about being able to pay tribute to him. And also the fact that I get to go full circle where I was a, a young Chinese kid being mentored by a Latino martial arts instructor. And then decades later, I get to be, uh, a, you know, a, a Chinese martial arts instructor mentoring, uh, three Latino kids. So, so that's, that was, that was nice to be able to pay tribute to Carlos. And, in, and in fact, uh, actually, um, it made me say, where did Carlos go? And like, I searched and searched and I finally reconnected with him and, and he felt, uh, he was flattered that, uh, that I got to pay tribute to him with, uh, Seis Manos. That's really cool. And it actually is, is it adds to this kind of interesting mythology about the making of this show itself. Uh, I had a chance again to talk to the creative team behind the scenes earlier today, and they talked about so many of these, I think they called them sort of synchronicities or sort of synergies between what they were doing and what was happening in the real world and, and, and everything along the way to making Seismanos a reality. And, and that story is kind of another interesting one that adds another interesting wrinkle to how this whole plot kind of played out. Seismanos is interesting for a number of reasons. It, it also walks this line between kind of paying homage to things of the past, like black exploitation films, you know, kung fu, martial arts movies with sometimes notoriously bad English dubbing, uh, all kinds of things. But were you at all nervous about maybe stepping into a role of, you know, a Chinese martial arts master that could have been, uh, could have come off across as a stereotype if the writing wasn't quite what it was in the show? Uh, I'm definitely wary of that when when I am offered a role and, and if it's something that I feel is a negative stereotype, I won't do it. Um, but in the case of Seis Manos, I was reading it and, and it was clear that this was not your ordinary martial arts instructor and and this is not your ordinary martial arts uh animated series so so this seis manos is clearly different um it definitely is a concern but with the writing of seis manos uh once i started reading the scripts and everything and really getting to dig into it i i, I any fears that i had or concerns were immediately uh put to rest yeah, and in our conversations earlier, we talked how it wasn't about an approach of just like checking boxes, like, like yep, diversity, check, we're good there. It was about kind of shaping the story around uh, the characters that, you know, made the most sense for those roles. So what can you maybe comment on how your particular character fits into the overall story? And if you had any thoughts on, uh, you know, maybe some of the other characters you, you played opposite or, or actors you played opposite? Uh, sure. Actually, in fact, um, just talking about how Seis Manos takes some of the standard tropes and turns them on their heads, um, trying not to trying to try to pick my words carefully. Right. But uh, but in episode one, uh, the introduction of Domingo, I immediately knew. What, what I thought I immediately, I thought that I knew what was going to happen. Right. So, so I just remember, okay, okay. So he's going to be the annoying rug rat. He wants to join the, he, he wants to join the, the, the club. They're going to be like, no, leave us alone. And, and like, you know, but he's going to keep on persisting and pestering and pestering. And, 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 and then at one point, the Seis Manos, they're all going to be trapped in this tiny little room. And there's only one 
person who can squeeze through the sewer pipes to 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 get you know to get into that room to to rescue him and that's going to be that's going to be domingo and i said so so and i was like okay i, I get it uh, you know it's 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 a trope but 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 i, I buy it because I, I like domingo and that doesn't happen so <laughs> so reading that made me just say oh yeah this is definitely a different project yeah, it definitely lets you know right off the bat in episode one, you know, what the themes are, what the maturity level is, and the fact that it's going to be something you are not expecting uh, pretty much every turn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what was that like being able to play kind of like uh, like people of color within that cast? Oh, um, it's fantastic. You know, uh, as, as you know, I've been an actor for a very long time, uh, more than more than two decades um, and, and I can remember showing up on set and being the only person in the cast of color. Mm-hmm. And, and it's fine. I was, I was, I was honored and happy to be there, but it makes you, the, the phrase token minority comes into your mind when you see that. Um, and so the thing is when you see Seis Manos, you see a whole world of Latinx characters, you realize, oh, this is the exact wonderful counterpart to token minority. This is true representation here because because when you have only one person of color, that person just has to be the Asian character or the Latin character or the black character. But with Seis Manos, you have a whole rich world of Latinx characters. So, so then each one can be their own character. They can, you know, one can be petulant, one can be feisty, they, you know, one can be a uh, good natured drunk. They can all be themselves. And, and instead of being one color, you just get a rich tapestry of characters and it's wonderful this way. Speaking of, of the show and your role as well, did you happen to voice any other roles in the series beyond kind of like scratch dialogue? Um, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I have. Um, and, and in fact, uh, in fact, there, uh, you know, in fact, I, I had people mention to me and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I, I was, I was, I was upset at what, what, uh, uh at what happened to your character mm-hmm. early on. And I was like, stick around. <laughs> There's more. And trust me, you haven't heard the last of me. So there is, I, I get to voice a significant element going forward. Um, so, so yes, uh, Chu has a brother. He has a brother named Lo and Lo is like him in some respects and is very, very different in other respects. <laughs> and so, so, and again, it's wonderful because it's says Manos here. So things are not always as they appear. Um, Lowe's first introduction changes significantly as the storyline develops. Um, and so what a wonderful opportunity for me to get to use all elements of my voice, the full range of my voice. Um, whether whether I'm speaking in a in a friendly sort of way or in a much more menacing sort of way, um, it's it, low was low was incredibly fun to do and and I just love how the storyline progresses with with low uh, taking up the torch uh, uh, taking up Chu's torch. You know when low first appeared the first time uh, that I was watching it, 
I noticed that there was not a mention of who voiced Lo, and I was like, you know what? It would be really cool if that was still Vic. I said, but I couldn't find information on that anywhere. So I'm, I'm glad you confirmed my uh, my suspicions all these months later. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, voicing low, voicing low is a trip. It's it's kind of like I I, I take the choose bo- voice, but then I just add an element of an edge and a little bit more of a of a strength and a, almost a harshness to it. So it's 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 fun trying to balance chew and low together. Well, and I definitely know what my reaction was. Uh, first of all, losing Chu and, and only seeing him in the flashbacks, and then at the introduction of Lo and the, how the events transpired there. But what was your reaction when you read, you know, you got the audition, you got the role, you came in, and then you read <laughs> that Chu's pretty much, Chu's not around very long. So what was your reaction to, to how that played out? Um, I, I was told how many episodes I was going to oh, okay. do, and that, oh, oh, uh, and so, so well, no, actually, but I remember, I remember in the audition, uh, there were sides for Chu and Lo, so, so I knew that I would be voicing both characters, um, but I definitely didn't realize the fate that was going to be. Uh, I didn't, I didn't realize Chu's fate, and I definitely didn't see the 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 turn that that low was going to take so so it, it's been it, so it was very interesting just reading things and i just remember going back and rereading passages of of the says manuscript when i was prepping and just think wait did that really happen and I was like, okay yeah that, that that really did happen it really was like that <laughs> pulling back a, a little bit to a bit higher level but i love the fact that powerhouse the crew there and also the cast members including yourself have been putting on these watch parties on Saturday mornings, bringing back the, the classic Saturday morning cartoons that are, you know, even our podcast is named after. But what's your experience been like being able to be part of those things and, and interacting, you know, directly with the fans? But first of all, the watch parties have been so much fun. Uh, watching it with a fresh set of eyes has been a blast. Um, and and just, just seeing all this stuff that I've been watching so intently, you know, when it first came out and stuff like that has, has reawakened all these wonderful memories of the process of, of recording this, as well as uh, all our memories from Comic-Con being together and, and meeting all the rest of the cast and the crew and the staff. Um, and then... Um, and engaging with the fans has been the best. And it has become very, very clear to me if it wasn't already, which honestly was already very clear to me. But the most enthusiastic fans are Angelica Valle's fans. Mm-hmm. They freaking love her. Uh, <laughs> when when we're in San Diego, when we're walking along the street in San Diego, her fans were running up to her and crying. <laughs> they, they, they would cry because they were so excited to meet her. And and like just their their sincerity and their enthusiasm for her uh, comes through when you're walking down the street in Comic-Con and it comes through in their tweets. They just, they love her. And honestly, it's so well-deserved because she is just so much fun to be around with. She's just so enthusiastic and so sincere and just a wonderful person. So I can definitely understand why her fans love her so much. Well, and I also love too, that Seis Manos is a show that allows fans like that to kind of see themselves represented on screen in some way and and you know we could talk people of color we could talk about different backgrounds we could talk about kind of just kung fu enthusiasts or practitioners of martial arts there's even characters who you know we have a a mute character who's uh, a main player we have another 
you know, disabled character who's a main uh, supporting player in this too. There's so many people who are on screen that you never get to see in normal, like, mainstream stuff. So it's really cool that you guys are able to connect with your fans on that level too. Absolutely. I mean, and again, that is true representation, and I'm so proud of Seis Manos for its true representation. How has your experience been kind of watching the rest of Seis Manos play out? Because obviously when you're in, in the booth, you have, you know, your sides and you're focused on your character's arc and part to play. But have you, are you also a fan, too, of kind of just like how the story plays out? Oh, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of, of, of the whole the way the whole thing plays out. Um, and it's humbling because it's like I do my part and I work very hard at it and, and I, and I, and I hope that I do a good job with it. But then just to see glimpses of everything that goes on behind the scenes, you know, um, you know, glimpses of these storyboards, gl- glimpses of these sketches, glimpses of, of, you know, of, of Carl Teal conducting an entire orchestra to put the score together and the music together. It's humbling to see what your small part is and how it fits in with this enormous, um, team of people all doing the incredible talented work to put together an amazing whole. And what's interesting, I think about pretty much everything that you just said is we get to see, we get to see Chu's character, uh, who I would actually love to just kind of like study under and have as a mentor, uh, (laughs) even just like a life coach. Uh, but we also get to see, you know, the other character that you play as well on the other side of that coin. But both of them feel like we're just getting started with some of this mythology. And in speaking with the creative team again, I know that they've uh, scripted out a second season. They have some season three laid out because of uh, early negotiations kind of with Netflix. They need to have sort of this three season, three arc structure in mind. But if you're okay with talking about it, have you seen any material beyond what is currently available from the first season? Uh I can speak freely because I have not seen the material. <laughs> so um, I've, I've heard little snippets that have been mentioned to me offhand, um, but, but I've not seen any material. But boy, would I love to see the material. <laughs> what would you maybe hope to see uh, one of your characters um, accomplish or, or get to see more of? Like what did season one raise questions about your characters in you that you would love to see maybe some conclusions in future seasons? The way the final episode ends, um, you can see that uh, Lo has plans, and I want to know more about his plans. Uh, you can see that that he has a team, but he's gathered a team behind him, and there's more there's more in store for Lo. I feel like, and I would love for for Lo to get to do his Lo thing. Um, with even more power and more reach and more help. So I would love to see that. Um, and I would love also just to continue to hear more backstory. There's, uh, there already is, you know, some very satisfying backstory about Chu and Lo mm-hmm. throughout the season. But, but I, I love backstory. I love getting glimpses of what makes the character what they are. So I would love to continue to hear more uh, backstory about them as well as, as well as the Seis Manos, of course. Oh, of course. Uh, would you say you gravitate maybe more towards uh, characters on the heroic side or the villainous side? Which, which one of those are more fun to play for you? 
<laughs> Here's the thing. I love playing tough guys. Yeah. I love, sorry, I've got a baby uh, napping in the other room, so I can't, I can't go into full, you know, screaming mode. <laughs> but, but here's the thing is I love playing tough guys because they make me feel like the badass that I am not in real life. <laughs> so, so, so that's the thing is because I tend to be more of a nice guy, I think I enjoy playing bad guys and uh and tough guys uh because 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 that's just a, a different world from from my real life and you know of course well, part of the joy of acting is playing make-believe now i'm gonna take that comment and i'm gonna uh, pivot away from say manos for just a second because you also recently voiced sang in the awesome and epic uh, final fantasy 7 remake so what can you maybe talk about coming to that character were you familiar with the original? What was what was it like for you to get to uh, voice that character? Oh my gosh, um, I was so excited. Uh, the funny thing is, is that I didn't know what the project that I was on until I walked into this recording session. Oh wow! <laughs> and, and because of course, uh, of course, you know, I was under NDA, sure. and so it only had it only had a code name, and and so I was happy, of course, to to be working on it, but I didn't know what it was. And then I walk in and they said, okay, so this is final fantasy. And, and I'm sure my jaw just dropped. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> so that kind of blew my mind. And, and of course the hardest part about being on an NDA is just not telling anybody what you're working on. Exactly. Um, but, but yes, with, with, with the song, what was, really interesting was you know as we're going through it i was i was having difficulty grasping the character because i couldn't figure out you know is he a good guy in which case i'll, I'll try to make him make his voice you know very gentle and stuff or or is he, is he a bad guy or on in which case i'll try to make him harsher and, and, and a little stronger and meaner and stuff and and then it just occurred to me i said wait a second this song a bad guy or is he a good guy or is he ambiguous and they're like he's ambiguous i'm like okay all right and so suddenly that all made so much sense to me because because yes it's like all of us we have a good side a, a sentimental loving side and we've got you know maybe a more callous side a more uh practical you know side that's that's capable of, of doing things and so, so I loved how fully fleshed the song was because of that ambiguity. And, and once I realized that the key phrase for me was ambiguous, then that helped me a lot with, uh, with voicing his character. Well, I'm hoping that we get to see more of that character, more of you in that franchise. Most people, uh, you know, myself included, don't really know what the plans are <laughs> for the rollout for that but did you i mean if you were still under nda this is fine but did you voice any other characters uh for that project or were you on board for any other uh parts to play i'll i'll simply just say that uh i have not heard anything uh beyond what's what i have done so that's fair enough so you're in the same boat as the rest of us as we wait to hear more uh, <laughs> What's well, interesting it's it's funny we're both waiting on more final fantasy and we're also waiting on more uh Seis Manos, so Thankfully, you guys are continuing these these watch parties on Saturday, but uh, as I wrap up here with you today, what, what else are you maybe currently working on that you can talk about and would like to share with your fans out there? Yeah. Uh, of, of, 
course. Um, and, and it's, it's so funny because I'm, I'm sure you're constantly just used to hearing, oh, I'm working on this cool project, but I can't tell you about it. I'm working on this pretty cool project, can't tell you about it, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Yeah, but it's always good to be able to revisit those and be like, oh, that's what you were talking about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, what I can say is uh, that I'm playing a fantastically fun role on uh, an upcoming episode of Ben 10. Uh, Cartoon Network, Cartoon Network show. Um, And in fact, actually, it was directed by Colette Sunderman, who directed me for for some of the the, uh, song scenes in Final Fantasy VII. So, you know, it's it's been fun working with her on both Final Fantasy VII Remake as well as Ben 10. But this role is really cool, and I am super excited about that. I don't know when it's coming up, but uh, but I'll be trumpeting it once once uh, once that role comes out. And we would be happy to help you do that. Um, oh, thank you. We've talked about voice direction a little bit, so maybe my last question for you today is: Have you given any consideration to maybe being on the other side of the glass? Is that something that you'd be interested in, in, in helping other actors kind of find their voice and and shepherd them through a project? I would love to. I think that would be an absolute blast. Um, I'm sure there's so much that I don't know about it, but that's okay because you got to start somewhere, right? Um, and it's and it's funny because I actually remember when Rob Paulson directed me on Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, the way he described it, he's, he just said, "Oh yeah, you know." And I, I started directing because they just said, "Hey, do you want to direct this episode?" And, and then I was like, sure. So, so at least that's, that, that was my impression was they simply just offered it to him and, and boy, is he a great voice director. Um, so yes, I would love to, to direct if I, if I get the opportunity, you know, but, but, uh, but of course I am mighty happy being a voice actor. There's uh there's great joy in that too. Fantastic. Well, I want to say thanks again so much for your time today, for sharing a little bit of insight into the projects that you're currently working on as we sit and wait uh, and hope <laughs> for more to come. But thank you again. All the best to you and yours. And uh, keep us posted. Thank you so much, Dave. Um, yeah, really appreciate 